We're, uh, we're in this act series, uh, Pastor Scott, um, we're kind of going to bounce back and forth around in Acts. We'll, we'll talk about some other stuff for a little while and then come back to Acts and talk about some other stuff and then come back to Acts. And so that's kind of what it's going to look like for uh, the next several months. Um, so Scott talked last week um, about this story in Acts chapter 4. And, and it was uh, Peter and John healed this, this lame guy. And after, after this healing, the, the Jewish council, they were ticked off. And, and they were like, uh, you know, why? Why did you do this? And, and they're threatening Peter and John and, and all of those kind of things. And, uh, and so I kind of want to pick up right there. Before I do that, um, let me ask you guys a question. When, uh, when you don't eat for a little while, what happens? You get hungry. Okay, right? And then if, you, if you're hungry and you don't eat for a long time, what happens next? You starve or hangry. I've heard that. I've heard that a few times. Hung, hungry and angry, hangry, right? Um, you, you starve and then eventually you die, right? You don't eat food and, and you die. And so, so kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we're, as we're chatting uh, today. In actuality, we're not chatting. You're going to listen to me talk this entire time. <laughs> um, but uh, I wish we could have a conversation. So um, that's kind of the front matter of, of what's going on. Peter and John have just been threatened that they uh, are going to be beat, that they're going to be persecuted for their faith and, and all these kind of things. All right, so um, that's kind of where we're picking up in the story. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verse uh, 23, starting with 23. And, and so um, get this, they knew that this was coming. Okay, the, 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 the followers of Jesus knew that they were going to suffer and they were going to go through hardships because Jesus told them before he left, you're going you're gonna to suffer you're going to experience hardships. You're going to be persecuted, all these kind of things. Okay, so after the council tells Peter and John that they're going to be beaten if they keep talking and spreading the message of Jesus, it says in verse 23, um, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said. All right, so, so they didn't turn tail and run. And they didn't devise some kind of plan um, before they went to their faith community. No, they, they turned to their faith community. They brought everybody in the mix that was a part of the faith community and said, Hey guys, remember when Jesus said that we were going to be persecuted and that we might get beat for our faith and maybe be, we would have to die for our faith? That, that might actually get ready to happen. That might be happening here soon. Um, we just got a threat that that was going to happen and Jesus said it was going to happen and he uh, resurrected from the dead. So I'm going to choose to believe that what he says is real. And, and so that's, that's g- probably going to ha- happen, guys. Now, now, I think about that, and I'm like, they didn't have any fear that everybody would run away. And I wonder, what if that happened today? What if, what if, if all of a sudden something happened and, and the government decided we don't want Christianity anymore, we're going we're gonna to start picking these guys off. We're going to kill them for their faith. We're going to persecute them for their faith. We're going to beat them for their faith. We're going to uh, apply pressure on Christianity so that we just weed this whole thing out. And, and people started coming to our churches, to Hope City, to, to all the different faith communities around. And somebody said, hey, guys, you're, you're going to get beat. 
Like you're going to pay. If you keep saying uh, this Jesus thing and you keep pushing and you keep talking about Jesus and how he saves and all these kind of things, um, you're going to pay for it. Who would stay? Who would, who, would, who would stay in the game if that happened today? I, I thought it was interesting that, that they, they didn't even have any fear of that. They just went to their faith community and said, guys, this is getting ready to happen. We're getting ready to, to be persecuted. Now, continuing on, what was their very first action when they went and told their faith community? It says in verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. The very first thing that they did was hit their knees in prayer. The very first thing that they did was recognize, I'm not in control of this. I can't do this on my own. They lifted their voices to, to God. See, prayer was their first instinct. It was the first thing that came to their mind, their first reaction, not a last resort. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life when stuff starts hitting the fan and struggles start coming, I try to figure it out. I try to, I try to work, work and, and devise a plan and figure out a strategy and, and maybe not even tell anybody. Like, I just try to figure this out on my own and kind of walk through it until I get cornered to the point that I have nowhere to turn, and then that's when I hit my knees. It's the last resort, right? It's like the Hail Mary in football. Like, I'm down, you know, uh, a touchdown, and there's nothing I can do. The clock's ticking. I'm just going to chuck it and just hope something happens. That's what we do a lot of times. Like, we got no other resort, so I'm just going to, Pray. I've tried everything else. Man, what if our first reaction to to urgent circumstances was, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you to show up. See, understand this. The situation that they were in, the fact that their faith was being threatened, that they were going to be potentially persecuted for their faith, this situation created this sense of urgency. They had this sense of like something is getting ready to happen. Something is getting ready to take place, and we need to step it up. It created the potential for what was getting ready to happen. See, this is key because the same is true for us. Yes, that sounds very important. Whoever that is, take care of that immediately. All right? I don't know what that was, but yes, Lord, we'll be obedient. Um, um, what was I saying? It's like shiny things. Um, <laughs> where was I? I told you. Oh yeah, yeah. The situation um created this sense of urgency. They were like, just like that beep, like I got to take care of that right now, right? There's this sense of urgency that was created because of this thing, and 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 they they wanted to step into that. They wanted to go to God in prayer. What's important? is how we look at these urgent seasons. You see, the, the early church turned to God when this sense of urgency, whether, it, whether it, in your life, whether that's some kind of struggle, some kind of trauma, some kind of issue that you might be stepping into, some kind of screw-up that you've done that's your fault totally that you're going to have to pay the consequences for, or maybe it's some unforeseen thing that you didn't see coming. Their initial action was go to God. 
the early church took it to prayer. A lot of times when urgent situations happen, we take it to Facebook. Right? Like, I, I just, you know, something bad just happened in my life, and I'm not, I don't, God's not like the first thing I turn to. I, status update. Just lost my job. 3,000 likes. And I'm like, 3,000 people just like the fact that you lost your job. That's awesome. Good job. You're super popular. I mean, like, I don't even, it's, you know, not that Facebook is a bad thing. It's just maybe we need to reorient our, our priorities, right? Maybe we need to reorient how we, how we look at, the, at life. And, and so, th- so this situation happened, and they, t- they took it to God. So when I want to ask you, like, when do you pray? How often do you pray? What does your prayer life look like? Is it the Hail Marys all the time, just kind of the last resort type thing? Or, or, or is this kind of a regular thing? Man, the early church took this urgent matter to prayer. I felt convicted about this this week. Because I like literally I was thinking about how, like, yeah, I, I, I pray pretty regularly. I pray pretty often. I pray a lot, like from when I get in the car and go to this, from here to this next meeting, or when I'm, I've got a counsel with somebody, or I'm, you know, doing this or doing that, like I'm, I'm communicating throughout the day or whatever. But man, I, I was like, when's the last time that I've literally like got on my face? Like I've carved out this time, God, this is yours. This is your time, not like the, the five-minute devotional or, or read a little bit of Scripture in the morning or, or whatever, but, but when have I, like, like said, God, I need you. Like, I'm hungry for you. I desire you. Like, the way that I breathe in air, I want that. God, I need you because the situation is urgent. Did you know that the situation is urgent right now? It's always urgent. The clock is ticking. Life is happening. There's always something urgent going on in our lives, and God is wanting to use that to position us to see him show up. So let's keep on going. How did the church react to this in verse 24? It says, when they heard it, they lifted their voices to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, and the sea and everything in them. Sovereign Lord. They said, God, you're in control. That's what sovereign means. Sovereign means you're, you're the absolute power. You're all over this whole thing. Do you believe that God has got this? Do you believe that he's in control? Whether you have screwed something up and it's your fault, or whether you're a victim of circumstances that have happened in your life, do you believe that God is still in control? Because if you do, that begins to frame the way you live your life. But if you don't, that's when you start taking matters into your own hands. You see, God was not surprised that threats were coming. God was not surprised that persecution was getting ready to happen. And God's not surprised by whatever situation you found yourself in. It, didn't, it doesn't take him by surprise. It doesn't throw a wrench in his plan. No, no. If you believe that he's in control, then you'll communicate to him like he's in control. Once again, super convicted about that. How often do I immediately go to, how can I fix this? How can I do something? How can I strategize this plan? Instead of, God, you're the creator. I believe in you. I know that you have created this whole thing, that you've orchestrated this plan. And somehow, like it says in Romans, you work all things out to the good of those who love you and are according, who are called according to your purposes. God, I believe that. 
So help me to lean into that. You see, if you don't pray, then I don't know that you believe what you say you believe. If you knew you had access to the one who's in control of it all, why would you not reach out? That's what the early church did. The scriptures go on and, and they, they quote this, this psalm uh, from, from Psalm, I think it's 92. And, um, and, and, and so basically the, the early church in the next few verses, they believe that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. And so they believe that, and that's what I love about how the Old Testament and New Testament connect, is they, they were looking at this as a fulfillment of prophecy that was prophesied hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament and how this connects. And I wish that I could unpack like this whole thing, but I don't have time. And so, so what I want to do is, is jump ahead to the end of their prayer, and I want to talk about how they prayed in this early, uh, in this urgent circumstance. It says in verse 29, check this out. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. All right, so, so they're threatening us. We're going to be persecuted for our faith. Look upon the Jewish council's threats and grant to your servants to have flaming swords that we might smite all of our enemies dead. No. It says, grant to your servants that we might have an invisible force field so that whenever they try to persecute us, we can't be harmed. No. That you might grant us that we could overthrow the government. And, and put all Christians in power, and so life can be comfortable and everything will be great. No, that's not what they prayed. Let us have Jedi mind powers whew, so that we might convince them otherwise. No, it says, grant your servants to continue to speak your word. To continue to speak your word, them speaking the word of Jesus is what got them in this mess in the first place. The message that the Jewish leaders killed Jesus and hung him on the cross, that he was the son of God, that he resurrected three days later and went to be with God and provide salvation for all of us, that same message that they preached and they saw people healed and they saw God show up in power through the healing of this lame guy, that message is what got them there in the first place. And they don't pray, hey, God, change the message. Hey, God, help me to continue to speak your word, your message. See, they knew that the Jewish council needed to understand that they had killed Jesus. I don't know if, if you read through Acts, you'll see Peter multiple times saying, you hung Jesus on a tree. That was a, a, a good, a, a, one of his favorite statements. He loved that. You guys hung Jesus on a tree. You see, in order for us to understand freedom first, we have to understand repentance. And that's what was messing with the Jewish leaders is that they did not understand that they needed to submit. They needed to ask for forgiveness because they had messed up. And instead of changing the message, they prayed, help us to continue to speak your message. A lot of times, if we experience pushback from people, we change the message. Whoa, that strategy didn't work. 
People don't like the fact that, that they killed Jesus. They don't like that they're sinful. They don't like that, that what they've done has screwed their life up. They don't like that, so let's, let's, strat, let's change it a little bit. Let's talk about God's love and talk about God's grace and all those things. And don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong. God is gracious and God is loving. But we also have to understand our sin. And that's what Peter and John and the rest of the early church was saying. Help us have the strength to keep preaching the message that you have given us. And that message is our sin has screwed this world up. And in order for the sin to stop, we need Jesus. And the message is the same today. We still preach that same message. We still need to communicate that exact same message. Give your servants the ability to speak your word. When your friends and your family and your co-workers and the people that you surround yourself with don't like the fact that you're a follower of Jesus, so what? When they don't like that you live differently or act differently or speak differently, don't change your strategy. Stay faithful. Preach the word in season and out. That's what God requires of us. And see, I love that. Because, see, this is where our strategizing can get in the way. Don't change the message just because it might create tension. They said, let us speak your message with all boldness. Let us be bold in our ability to communicate what this message is, give us boldness. You see, they weren't asking God to change the circumstance. They were asking God to change them. And I think sometimes we get that backward. If you believe that God's sovereign, and you believe that he's orchestrating this whole thing, then maybe... He doesn't want to take you out of the circumstance you found yourself in. Maybe he wants to get glory for the circumstance you're in currently. And a lot of times when pressure comes and tension rises and hardships comes, our immediate reaction is, God, get me out of this. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. This isn't good. The early church says, give us boldness. Help us to continue to preach your message. I'm not saying the early church eventually didn't say, hey, God, it'd be nice if they didn't kill us. You know, and it, it'd be nice, God, if we didn't get beat on a daily basis. It'd be nice if, you know, maybe, maybe you could let up a little bit. We, we're human, right? We have, we have limitations. But what if our initial reaction was get on our face and say, God, I want to see you in this circumstance. I've royally screwed up. I've messed up. Whether it's your fault or something else has happened, God, I need to see you. What if that was our initial response when hardships come, when urgent matters show up? Give me the ability to see you, God. You see, we typically go the other route. We take the path of least resistance. You see, the the early church, they wanted to participate in God's plan. They wanted to to be participating in how God was moving because they knew God's movement was going to go forward. God was going to continue to speak. He was going to continue to do miracles. He was going to continue to do things, and his message was going to go forth because they believed that he's sovereign. They just wanted to be a part of it. What if that's the cry of our heart? God, come hell or high water, whatever it looks like, whatever happens, I just I want to be a part of your story. I want to be there. I want to be in it. 
If it's good, if it's bad, if it's ugly, if it struggles, whatever, God, help me just to see you. Give me the ability to speak your word. Give me the ability to to have boldness because I know that your plan is moving forward. So here's the thing. Why did the early church ask for boldness? Why do they ask for the, the strength to be able to carry on? And it, and it comes in verse 31. It says this. Excuse me, verse 30. It says, give us boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And while signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. While you stretch out your hand to heal, while you do signs and wonders, while you work, while you move, their only job was just to pray, God, I want to see you move. They weren't responsible for the healing. They weren't responsible for the miracles. They weren't responsible for God doing his thing. God just does his thing. Their only responsibility was, God, I just want to see you. I just want to be a part of it. I want to participate. And so why did they ask for boldness? Because they were hungry. Because they were spiritually hungry to see God move. They wanted to see him stretch out his hand to heal. Now maybe that, that might have meant like a physical healing, like actual miracle, like, like somebody's lame or deaf or hurt or, or whatever, just like it was in Acts, in Acts chapter 4 or 3 when, when, when Peter and John healed this guy. Maybe it's an actual physical healing. Or maybe it's like a spiritual thing, like, like somebody's broken spiritually, somebody's in bondage to some kind of sin or whatever, and, and God just radically changes their heart and their life and their mind, and they just want to be a part of that. That was the the cry of their heart. God, I'm hungry for you. I want more of your presence. See, this is where God, one of the places where God wrecked me as I I was praying and, and reading over this and thinking through this scripture is I thought, man, there's times in my life that I'm just not hungry. Think about this. You act differently when you're hungry versus when you're satisfied. You act differently when there's a sense of urgency in your life versus when everything's okay. Guys, well, not guys, girls too, in sports and in football or any other sport, when, 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 the, when the team starts getting down and the, the clock starts ticking and the last few minutes of the game are going, what happens? Like this sense of urgency rises up in the team and they start playing better and they start playing harder. And I'm thinking, dude, if you just would have done that 10 minutes ago, you wouldn't be in the predicament you're in. What if we had that sense of urgency? What if we had that hunger to see God move day in and day out? When we woke up in the morning, it was the cry of our heart. We got on our face and said, God, I want to see you. I want you to move. I'm hungry for you, God. Give me boldness to be able to see you because I'm hungry. So as I read this passage, all right, if you like math, here's the the equation. This is the equation. Urgent circumstances plus hungry prayers equals bold people. Urgent circumstances plus hungry prayers equal bold people. If you recognize a sense of urgency in your life, like like God is moving, he's on the move. His, His sovereignty is working out all things. Urgency. And you're hungry to see it. 
you're not satisfied with your life like you've got this all together and things are okay and it's all good. No, you're hungry to see more of Him. When you do that, when you position yourself to that place and say, God, I'm hungry for you. I want to be satisfied. I want to be increase my appetite for you. That's where boldness comes from. Because I promise you, if you ask for God to open your eyes, you'll see Him. Because I, 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 like, as I was unpacking this, this, this blew my mind this week. The word boldness, the word boldness means the freedom to say what I really think. Like no filter. The freedom to be able to actually articulate and say what I truly feel and think on the inside. Now when this equation lines up, when urgency and hunger and boldness line up, see that's where revival hits. That's where revival takes off. It went from 12 to to a few hundred to a few thousand to millions of people that say I am a follower of Christ. That's where it started and that's where it's going to start again. In this community, if we'll let it. Urgency, hunger, equals boldness. So, as I was thinking about that, I realized the the freedom to say what I really think, man, I had to get real with myself. Because I was like, if I truly ask myself that question, like if people could actually see what I really thought, if I had the freedom to actually articulate what was really going on in my life and what was going on in my mind, would God get glory for it? I had to take an honest look and say there's a lot of times that's not the truth. Because a lot of times I question. And a lot of times I'm scared. And a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm act, I say that I believe that God's got this thing, but I act like He doesn't. And I would wager that some of you are in that same boat. We claim God's good all the time, all the time God's good. He's working this thing out. But but the reality is our life is just wrecked and broken and we're losing it. And if we prayed for boldness right now and the ability to actually articulate what was coming out, it might actually not be glorifying to God. So here's what I feel like God has told me to say. And I want you to hear this. Okay, I want to take a half of a step back from a prayer for boldness because I believe that that's coming. But before that, this is what I want you to think on. The backdrop of this whole story is the fact that Peter and John healed a guy. And, and, and when they're standing before the council and the council's telling them, we're going to kill you if you keep preaching the message of Jesus, this is their response. In verse 19, it says, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge. But look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Guys, if you want to develop a sense of urgency and a hunger and a boldness for God, my question is what have you seen and what have you heard? That's what gave them the motivation and the power and the strength because they saw God, like legit, real God, show up through an empowering of the Holy Spirit and a dude got healed. They saw that. They heard that. When's the last time you saw God? When's the last time you heard Him speak? Because I promise you, if you see God and you hear God in a real time, 
tangible way in your life, you have no other option but to tell him, to tell others what's happening. I just want to give you just a small, quick, tiny little example of how our appetite increases when we hear God speak and we hear him move. So a couple weeks ago, I was having a leadership team meeting um, for our downtown uh, expression of, of what we do. We do an inner city thing in downtown High Point, if you're not uh, familiar with, with what we do. And um, we feed homeless people and prostitutes and drug dealers and um, all, all kinds of people from all different walks of life, all colors and, and shapes and sizes and all that. It's just fun, all right? It's what I think heaven's going to look like. And, um, and, and we were talking about how we, we need food sustainability, because we're spending money on food and we need God to show up in that place because we love feeding people. We typically feed about five to 600 people a month with this thing. Like, did y'all know that, by the way? Like, Hope City's doing that. That's pretty cool. Like, God's empowering us to be a part of this. And, and so um, we, were, we were praying for that and I was asking the guys, uh, uh, the people on our leadership team, just, just go to war for that. Like, pray that God would just show up and he'd move. So Tuesday night, we have a Bible study downtown. So we prayed on Sunday. On, two, on a Monday afternoon, I get a phone call. Hey, uh, we had this party, and, and not, uh, not as many people showed up as I thought, and we've got, we've got about 50, 60 meals or so that we'd like to give to you. I'm like, heck yeah, we'll take that right on. So we, so we break that out on Tuesday night. And we start feeding. And, and uh, the hour before Tuesday night Bible study happened, I got another phone call. And I, I jokingly had told uh, one, of the, one of the people on the team uh, before we met, I was like, all right, so we got food and we got drink. Now we, now we just need dessert and we're all good. And, uh, and got a phone call. And another nonprofit had heard about what we're doing through a, a family that goes here to the church. And they donated a bunch of donuts and cakes and pies and all. I mean, like hundreds of stuff, like hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. And I'm like, man, that's just funny. Like, you want to see God move? You want, you want to hear him? Like, like, that's that. That's him moving in a small way. Like, I'm not getting killed for my faith. I'm not getting persecuted. But I can still see him. And then, and then to, to make it even uh, just, just add to it, um, the very next Saturday, from, from that Tuesday, the very next Saturday, right before we get ready to serve, we get a phone call. Carter Brothers had catered a meal and uh, and and they they the the family didn't have nearly as many people show up as they thought, and they had like well over a hundred meals that that we were able to take and give and serve downtown. And so I'm I'm sitting there thinking, it's once again, it's just funny. I'm I'm like, dude, okay, so we got we got food, we got drink, we got some stuff, you know, for everybody to eat and all that. And I had forgotten to get ice because we usually get a cooler of ice. Uh, to keep the drinks cold. And I'm like, man, if we just, we got ice, we had ice, we're good to go. So I'd forgotten. So I texted one of my group leaders, said, hey, would you pick up some ice? Well, about 10 minutes later, this, uh, this other nonprofit shows up. This, this, this group, they got this trailer and, and this ministry that they do. And they said, hey, I don't, like I said, I don't even know these guys from Adam. Like, I don't even know who they are. And they said, hey, we heard that you guys are in downtown High Point. We heard that you're moving and doing some stuff that God's like, like using you guys to work. And, and we love that. We love being on the street. We want to partner with you. Can we hang out and have Bible study with you? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I love that. That's what we're about, like partnerships. It's the kingdom of God. It's not our name. 
yeah, I'd love for you guys to hang out. I'd love for you to pray with us and pray with people and, and help people meet Jesus. And they said, well, the, like we can do that and, and we don't have a whole lot of resources and stuff, but but um, I actually just happened to get four bags of ice um, before on the way here. I don't know if you need ice or not. And I'm like, man, God, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like God has a sense of humor, right? The ice got taken care of. And I'm like, man, I should have prayed for a Ferrari. <laughs> Next time, right? But man, like, guys, God will show up. You just need to need him. You just got to want him. You just got to ask to see it. He's moving in this community and you can be a part of it. But the deal is you got to put yourself in places where urgency and hunger are there. I'm not saying go downtown. I'm saying you understand where urgency and hunger resides in your space, at your workplace, with your family, with your friends, you yourself. Where does God need to show up in your life? Because if you think you have this thing figured out, I will tell you, you don't. None of us do. You want to see God move? You want to see Him? You want to hear Him? You want to have that prayer of God, I want to be bold? Put yourself in situations where He needs to show up. Ask Him to, to show up in your life. Understand what it means to have that sense of urgency. And he might just show up in a couple bags of ice. Or he might show up where you least expect it. But when you're praying that way, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And you're like, thanks, God. That's awesome. Continue to show up, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. Van's going to come up. We're going to sing this song. And so there's, there's two things that I, I just want you to think on. First of all, if you're a follower of Jesus, we need, to, we, need to, we need to act and live and play and breathe hungry. That's what we need. We need a spiritual appetite for God. See, here's the deal. In America, we have a hunger problem. And it's not just food. We have a spiritual hunger problem. We're too comfortable. We're too satisfied. We think we've got this together. And so if you're a follower of Christ in here, I just want to simply ask that your prayer would be, God, increase my hunger for you. Help me to experience what it means to be urgent for you. I want to see you. I want to be bold. I want you to show up. I mean, if that's the cry, the legitimate cry of your heart, he will. And some of you in this room don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And you're like, I, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. I've never, never experienced that at all. God's, I feel like maybe God's pulling on my heartstrings or I, I, I don't know what, but like, like I, 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 I know that you're, that, that what you're saying is like pulling on something and I, and I need to, I need to get that out. So here's the deal. While this song is going on, if you're a follower of Christ, this altar is open and it is my desire and prayer that if you want more hunger, you want to see God show up in your life, the ministry team's going to be up here. We just want to pray with you. 
There's no judgment. We're not trying to like condemn you or, or think that we're better than you. No, 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 no. We just want to pray. We just want to ask God to show up. Because he will. He's already doing it. And you can see it. And if you're not a follower of Christ, this altar is open for you to meet him. To say, I want to give my life to this. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Whatever that looks like. I don't even know what's on the other side of that. But I'll, I'll follow Jesus because I'm not good at leading myself.